The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. Hey friends, it's so great to have you along with us here on Afternoons with Mike. It's a brand new month that we're now facing. So grateful to have you along with us today. We're going to have a special time with Rick Eldridge. He's the CEO and executive producer of the new movie that breaks this weekend. It's called Never Give Up. Let's go to the phone lines right now. On the line with me right now is Rick Eldridge. Rick, so good to have you back on the program. Hey, it's great to be on the show. Thank you very much. You got it. Well, I know right now you're busy at a at the U.S. Open, right? Yes, we are. We had a big premiere of our movie here at Union Square last night. And uh, uh, today we're doing a little bit of promotion here at the U.S. Open with uh, Stan Smith and some of the guys. But it's been a lot of fun. It's been great. Oh, my goodness. I know Brad's probably having the time of his life. What was it like for him last night at the premiere? You know, it's uh, I can't imagine having your story told uh, on the big screen and watching it. But, uh, you know, listening to him and we had too and uh in the q a we had a great time it went uh went really well uh brad uh, is just uh you know, all that happened and, and uh, it was a phenomenal time so uh very enjoyable for everybody though now you mentioned you know seeing yourself on big screen i i can't even imagine first of all like what you said what it was like for him to do that <laughs> yeah. would he have felt that it was a good representation uh, uh, and the way people responded, was he pleased with all that? Oh yeah, I think uh, beyond pleased. I think uh, was would be the the answer. He's he's seen the movie a few times, obviously before we got here. But seeing it with an audience is always uh, such a different dynamic because you you hope they laugh at the right time and cry at the right time and react at the right time. And yeah, and they cer- certainly did. It was a it was a phenomenal environment all the way around. So. Uh, uh, yeah, very enjoyable, and uh, you know, uh, we we did some Q and A after, and had some great reactions from the audience. So it was a great time. Now I know I got to be with uh, you and Rob and Brad. Rob being the director, yeah. and uh, of course Brad Mins is who we're talking about. He is the subject matter for this movie called Never right. Give Up. Yeah, we uh, it's it's amazing. We we picked this date because uh, well, the first thing you do is you look and see. Okay, make sure that you know the next. You know, Jurassic Park's not coming out, or, <laughs> yeah. or you know, Avatar's coming out. And Why not just go ahead and a... kill yourself right up front, right? <laughs> so you find a window that works for theaters. Yeah, you start asking yourself, what are you going to build a movie around? And uh, you don't want to, you know, get the next big blockbuster like, uh, you know, an Avatar coming out on top of you or anything. So uh, we were able to to find a window. Uh, it's Labor Day weekends, and it's also uh, U.S. Open week. So we had to ask, uh, is, you know, we, in fact, we talked to Stan Smith, talked to quite a few of the people at the open and yeah. they said, Oh man, the world's thinking about tennis. It's a great time to come out with this movie. And, um, so we did, we, uh, and then it was even after that, we realized that, uh, September, our release date is uh, deaf awareness month in the world, national deaf awareness month. So, uh, and we're doing a lot of things with the deaf community. We had quite a few of the deaf community out last night. 
and um, just so I mean, it just uh, you know, it's it's a it's a it's a God day. You know, he he designated this time for us, and it's a wonderful time. Now I re- I know when uh, he was with us in uh, I guess it was May at the NRB. Right. He told us a little bit of the story for those that may not have heard that. What what yeah. is it that happened to Brad that made him lose his hearing? Well, Brad uh, at the age of three, or uh, just coming upon his third birthday, uh, had a high fever and uh, an illness that uh, caused him to lose ninety to ninety five percent of his hearing. And, uh, and we depict that in the movie as we have four different Brads. We tell his whole life story, and we tell it around an event which uh, he played in, winning the gold medal at the uh, International World. And um, it's, uh, it's kind of a come, coming from behind victory on the court, but really in life. I mean, here's a guy that had to overcome a, a bullying. Uh, you know, as a kid, he's got these big ear things, you know, plugged into his ear with uh, strapped on that looked like a bra and he was laughed at, made fun of. Oh, and I can't imagine. Had a difficult time. And yeah. his kids taught, his, his parents taught him how to play tennis. And in, in, in tennis, he, he kind of found himself, uh, became very good, played at University of Toledo where the coach uh, introduced him to the death games. And uh, he made it all the way to the finals, the uh, gold medal round uh, against a former gold medal winner and was down two sets, five games, 40 love. Mm. If you know anything about tennis, that I mean, you lose one point, one game, uh, you're gone. And uh, so you couldn't go any further down. Uh, and he came you know, just with a, a really a three-word prayer. He he just cried out to God, God, help me. And he, says, and he knew he was better than that. Why? What is he? What's happening? And uh, the, the tide turned, and he came all the way back and won the victory, uh, probably known as the biggest combined victory on a tennis court at any level, pro, collegiate, college, Olympic, whatever. Uh, and and so that was a, a, a major accomplishment for him. I love this line. There's a, a line in the movie where he goes up and hugs his mom and dad. He's got his gold medal around his neck. And he says, he says, I did it. I, I, I came all the way back. And his mom says, Brad, you've been coming back your whole life. <laughs> and uh, what a great line. That's a great uh, line that just mirrors his life. And that's why we thought it was such a neat idea. The tournament plays through the whole movie. So you see elements of things that happened in the, in the, the tournament that, that take you back to uh, a three-year-old Brad or a seven-year-old Brad when he's learning how to play tennis or a 14-year-old Brad where he's beating the number one player at his high school as a freshman. And, and you see his life evolve and, and you see the family structure, which was such an incredible support for him. So there's a lot of great messaging in this, you know, for mm-hmm. anyone that's had to overcome adversity, uh, that, that's had to deal with issues that just didn't seem fair. Uh, and then the, the uh, you know, surrounding of family that, that cared no matter what and loved no matter what. And uh, so there's a lot of great messaging here for, uh, for, for Never Give Up and, and a great message for all of us. You know, that, you know, God's got this and, and we can do this, whatever it happens to be, whatever we're facing. You know, there's one part about his story that I just really was amazed at. You know, you don't think about things like this for those of us that can hear and those of us that can see or we don't have those kind of physical disabilities that keep us from 
um, doing whatever it is that we're doing. He's playing tennis with the aid of of hearing aids, which at least gave him a little bit of the pressure and Mm -hmm. and maybe some of the sound of, of the ball hitting the racket. And then he went to that one tournament. And he was not allowed to wear those. That had to be so just taking him right off his game, right? Yeah, it really was. I mean, he, he, that was a rule of the Deaf Olympics because, uh, you know, they just, you know, everyone had to play without hearing aids. And uh, he had always played with hearing aids. And so here he is trying out and, uh, and they say, you can't do that. And, uh, so it totally flipped on him, and, and he had to overcome again uh, in that thing. And, uh, of course, he did, and uh, uh, did phenomenally well with it. But, uh, you know, it's a, it's, it's a remarkable story, and, and I think uh, something that uh, we hope a lot of people will, will come and identify with. Uh, we, we've heard people say, you know, a lot of times you go to a movie, and there are things that kind of you identify with, and then you, you're taken out of the story maybe for a minute, or you – you're you're wandering away, but you know I've heard people say you don't leave this film. You want, you're on the edge of your seat, uh, catch it, and it, and it it goes by so fast. And that's exactly what we wanted. Uh, and you know I remember the time when I came out of Rocky. You know I was probably 16 years old, and the first Rocky movie came out, and and you know I left that theater punching the air. I mean I, I could take on the world. You know I just felt <laughs> like I could do this. You know. And I really wanted to have that happen in this story because it is that it's a, it's a Rocky moment when he overcomes everything and, and uh, comes all the way back and, and wins the gold. And, uh, and I think it accomplishes that. It, I, I've seen it just with the, the people that have responded to it already. So we're so excited about September 1st. It'll be in theaters all over the country and uh, uh, we're excited to get it out there. That's right. That's tonight. It, it's hard to believe. Uh, you know, I, I had it in my mind. It was later in September, but it's actually tonight that it's going to be opening up uh, as yeah. this airs on Friday. And, you know, this uh, this is something I know we've been talking about now, going all the way back to spring. And right. I know, and you were already done with it at, at the NRB. <laughs> I, I just got to tell you, before I did the interview with Brad and you, uh, I saw him on the floor <laughs> And he was walking around carrying this tennis racket. And I'm thinking, I wonder why he's got that tennis racket. I had no, (laughs) it's not something you see every day at the NRB, somebody walking around with a tennis racket in their hand. And then, then he comes in for the interview and I go, Oh my word. And then to find out the story is all about him. And the fact that even with this deafness, he was able to sit and just read my lips during that interview. That's yeah. Wow. He's a remarkable guy. You know, I, when, when I was told about the story, uh, you know, I, 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 he gave me his book and, or he didn't, a friend of his did. And, uh, I get books all the time. I get scripts all the time and, you know, 99 out of a hundred of them, this it just doesn't happen. And, uh, I don't resonate with it or I'm too busy on the other things I'm doing. But, uh, then I met Brad and, and, you know, when you're sitting across the table from him, uh, and he's reading your lips and, and, and it, you almost can, you don't even realize he's deaf because as long as he's looking at you, he's remarkable. He can pick that up. You, you sense a little bit of a speech impediment when he speaks, but you can understand it. So oh, well. perfectly. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. But more importantly, I think the enthusiasm that he has for life, uh, and the joy that he has for life and, uh, 
you know, that's uh, that's a charisma. That's a character that you just pick up on. And so I left that first meeting saying, hey, I got to do this story. <laughs> I yeah. bet. Now, this is your second big sports uh, movie that you've made. This uh, following on the heels of Mulligan. Are, are we going to now be expecting more sports <laughs> theme movies from Rick Eldridge? Well, I'm kind of a sports nut and I always have been. My very first feature film that I ever produced uh, in, in 2003 was a movie called Bobby Jones, Stroke yes. of Genius. Yes. Uh, the golf film of Jim Caviezel. And, uh, and then not too long after that, I did a movie called The Perfect Game, which was uh, about the Monterey Little League baseball team that was the very first team to win the International uh, Little League World Series, which, of course, we're in the middle of the Little League World Series today with uh, all that's going on on ESPN. So I've, I've made a few sports movies, and, uh, and I, I, I just love stories uh, using the analogy of, of sports, and, and, and there's such a... Uh, a parallel to life, I think, and in, in, in each of these stories, and uh, so yeah, I'm 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 always open to that, and and uh, you know uh, you know golf. I don't know if I'll ever do another golf movie, but that's probably my at my age my favorite sport. But uh, you know, I used to be a great tennis player, and uh, uh, when my son became uh, old enough to beat me, I said, "Okay, you do this, I'll go play golf." <laughs> it's time <laughs> for yeah. golf. You know, the funny thing about that, golf, I always looked at it as something that, again, um, old men did when I was a young guy. I wasn't that interested. But here's here's where I was really wrong. I thought the reason that older guys did it is because it had to be so simple. It had to be so easy. to hit. Well, I mean, let's face it, I would say. How hard is it to hit a sitting still ball? That's what yeah. was in my mind. I'm used to playing baseball and... Uh, Hitting, yeah. you know, hitting something that's coming at you really fast. And, oh, my goodness, was I mistaken. Yeah, absolutely. It's a it's a it's a it's a unforgiving sport, but uh, but so much fun, too. I, I think that for me, the interaction with others and uh, there's so many analogies uh, around the game of golf that uh, uh, for storytelling, it, they're, they're phenomenal, too. So uh, the mulligan was was so much fun to do and. That movie continues to to reach people literally around the world. Yeah, get letters from all over. So it's it's a it's a real blessing. Really great to be able to do that. Not a bad gig either to work with Pat Boone, right? No, Pat was fantastic. I mean, talk about overcoming. Here's a guy, 89 years old now, who just you got to run to keep up with. The guy's got more energy than anybody I know. <laughs> <laughs> and and again, I I think back to watching him walk around the NRB getting to meet yeah. him there and he's dressed out with those knickers and the yeah. golf knickers and the golf hat. It was just beautiful. Yeah, uh, he was great. He, he, he owned that part. He really did. You know, you're doing yeah. something I think that is so cool with movies. A lot of them, uh, a lot of the producers that I've met before, uh, they they just maybe, I don't know if they have the flair, man, that God's given you with the ability to get with these artists and the the camaraderie that you seem to exude when you're around people like Pat or with Brad or with Rob, the the director. Yeah. Uh, uh, that that was such a, a fun thing. What do you attribute your success here in a world of media that's out there today? You're knocking it out, man. You're an award-winning movie producer. What What do you oh, attribute you. all that yeah. to? You know, I think the the most important thing is to remember that uh, you know it's a collaborative effort. It's a team sport. You know, and 
uh, no one guy can do this. <laughs> and uh, so putting a, a, a bunch of great people around you to tell the story, that believe in the story, and then finding those great stories and, and the people that have lived them and, and become them, uh, it, uh, it, 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 you, you find in that, you know, a camaraderie and just a, a real sense of purpose that, uh, yeah. And, and one thing that we do on our sets, and maybe this is where it starts, I don't know, but, um, we start every day on my set. And I know for Pat, especially this really meant a lot to Pat Boone, uh, with an, with a little short devotional and a prayer. Oh, and wonderful. it's not long, it's five, 10 minutes, but, uh, you know, one of the things that you requires us to do is to have a safety meeting so many many years ago all the way back to bobby jones i'm thinking well we're going to have the whole crew and the whole cast there for the safety meeting because that's required you got to do it so i'm going to do an unrequired thing and say hey if you want to come a few minutes early we're going to have a little uh sharing time and a, and a prayer uh, pray for the day and uh hundreds of our cast and crew would come to that and and uh and it really just made the day and it it gave us a sense of purpose. You know, we're not just, you know, you know, pulling cables and putting up lights and, 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 and doing work, but there's a purpose for this. There's a direction for this, you know, beyond, uh, you know, the, the normal maybe. And uh, I think that is where, where it all starts and where it all begins. Now you've tasted enough success to be doing this. You've, I don't know, how many movies are you up to now? <laughs> Well, this is 31 for me, believe it or not. <laughs> 31. That's uh, yeah. just amazing, Rick. I mean, when yeah, I first like, met you back in the 80s, I don't think that you were even thinking back then of being no. a movie producer, right? No. I, in fact, it's funny. My I, When I was doing music as, a, as an artist and in in, in writing and producing music, uh, I had an agent one day who, you know, I'm a young 20-something kid and and so he says, so let's, let's sit down and let's talk about a five-year goal. What do you want to be doing in five years? And I'm thinking, man, I don't know. I guess I'm going to play music. You know, I'm a guitar player. I'm a singer. And, uh, and he says, no, let's dig, dig, dig deeper than that. And about as far as I could go is that, you know, maybe I'd get to be on TV one day and sing a song, you know? Wow. <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, I, I tell people, you know, I used to write songs that were three minutes long. We call, uh, you know, the stories that we call songs. And now I write stories that are sometimes two hours long and we call them movies, but I'm still telling stories. That's and, right. Uh, That's right. For me, it's the important thing is to tell the stories that have that redemptive value and that message that can affect change. Uh, we want to inspire. We want to entertain. Uh, but at the same time, I think we want to have have an opportunity to make a difference. And uh, so that's those are the criteria I layer over everything I do. I mean, that. Uh, people ask you, do you have a, a genre that you love? And I said, well, I love them all. I'm actually working on a Western right now. But uh, <laughs> you know, the, the, the point is that redemptive value, that storytelling message that can really make a difference and, and inspire. And, and uh, at the same time, it's entertaining and, and all the other elements that have to be there. So if you're doing a Western, before we take a break here, if you're doing a Western and we're at the NRB next year and I see some gunslinger walking around, I'm going to know right off he's your star for this movie, my friend. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, it's, it's funny. I was doing an interview at NRB last year with a guy and, and uh, that, you know, he, he's a, a fairly well-known talk show host that uh, some would know. And, 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 uh, he said the same thing, and he says, you know, I, I got a cowboy hat, Rick. I can ride a horse. You know, I could do this, you know. <laughs> That's great. Rick Eldridge is my guest. We'll be back with Rick for just a bit more here right after the break. 
This is Afternoons with Mike. Pastors and financial leaders, do you need expert accounting or tax help? Do you have payroll or 1099 questions? Do you need a ministry expert to help you acquire real estate for your next project? If the answer is yes, yes, and yes, visit PetraWorldwide.org. Petra Worldwide has been strengthening ministries to transform humanity since 2007. Visit PetraWorldwide.org or call 855-481-9095. Palm Beach Atlantic University Orlando offers three distinct areas of study. An evening Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling, an evening Bachelor's of Science in Human Services, and our new Daytime Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. All of our courses are offered at our beautiful campus on Millennia Boulevard. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 844-PBA-ORLANDO. That's 844-PBA-ORLANDO. On the line with me today, he's up in New York. We're so excited to have Rick Eldridge, who is the CEO and producer of Real Work Studios. It is a uh, real honor to have Rick. He was with me in May when we were at the NRB and uh, brought his entourage of uh, of a star, the, the kind of the base of the movie, actually. Brad Minns was with him that day, as was Rob. Is it Los? Is that the right way, or is it Los? Uh, Loose, L-O-O-S. I, I see. Loose, I Rob always Loose. get it wrong. Rob Loose. Okay, there we go. I should know that I, I wasn't going to get it right again. I kept blowing his name in May. <laughs> But Rob was Sorry. such a great guy. He's a, he's oh, yeah. a screenwriter as well as a, a, a director, right? Yeah. You know, the, the beauty of, of Rob being part of this project, Rob and I worked many years ago on a couple of animation series. And, uh, you know, he's he's been a writer, director, producer in Hollywood for a long, long time. So, you know, we've been friends. We've known each other. And we worked together on a couple projects. And uh, it's kind of a God timing thing because... Yeah, I was out in L.A. and uh, ran into Rob and he says, hey, why don't we meet for lunch? And I said, great, let's do it. So we met for lunch at the L.A. Tennis Club. And I'm thinking, well, that's a unique spot. You know, sure, we'll do that. So we met. We had lunch at the this beautiful, prestigious L.A. (laughs) Tennis Club. And uh, no one important hanging out there. Right. (laughs) Yeah. But I find out that, uh, you know, Rob is like the senior champion at this la tennis club no and, kidding uh, so so i'm thinking boy that's really impressive and here up on the on the door on the door is a uh, uh stan smith winning one of his uh i'm at the u.s open i think it was the u.s open medal that he had won or the big trophy that he had just won at the, the u.s open because stan played out of la and um so i'm i'm impressed because I, I love tennis too and so i leave this meeting and it's about two months later that i meet brad Mintz. And then all of a sudden, here I am doing a tennis movie. And uh, and so we started you know, brainstorming a little bit. And I would have never thought of Rob uh, as a tennis player. And I just, it just never dawned on me that. I knew he was a nice writer-director and had done some good work with him, but probably wouldn't have thought of him for this movie had we not had lunch and had I not learned about his tennis background. And so all of a sudden, here we are doing the movie. Stan Smith's a part of the movie. And and Rob is uh, writing and directing the film. Mm. Uh, and he has such such a sensitivity to the game of tennis that it, he's able to do that. And um, you know, here's a director who plays tennis, who understands tennis, and he's able to do it at that level. So it was pretty phenomenal. So I did not uh, know the, that part of the meeting. Story. Yeah, 
that's that's a great story on Rob and the fact that he he just loves loves the game the way he does yeah. and is able to then bring all of that out and I, I know we we discussed back then a little bit of what it was like just the day to day to day because yeah. when you're directing a movie uh, that's a sports movie the way it's working and to make that thing look like yeah. this game is really going on just the way you want to present it. That takes some skill, doesn't it? It does. And, you know, we, we did something unique and different. Um, you maybe, maybe you've seen like Wimbledon or maybe a couple of other tennis movies. Uh, and usually they're uh, CGI or digitally enhanced so that uh, you get the right shot right. And, uh, and that kind of a thing. And, and we've used that technique and often, often in other projects. But Rob was hoping that we could find the right guys that could at a at a pro level uh, play tennis, and uh, and I can tell you every shot in that movie really happened. It was wow. a real shot. Nothing is enhanced, and uh, and nobody's dinking the ball over the court. I mean, these guys are playing the 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 two guys that were able to 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 get to play that gold medal round. Uh, you know, Harrison Stone is. A former, you know, pro himself. He actually still teaches at a uh, a club in in Alabama, and uh, also is an actor. He's he's on a couple other series, and so to be able to find Harrison, uh, and then we had three other Brads we had to create. So we had to cast four Brads. <laughs> uh, so then we went down to a fourteen year old Brad, and by the time Brad's fourteen, you know, he's beating the uh, you know the the star senior on his high school team as a freshman. And uh, so, you know, again, these guys are playing some serious tennis. And uh, so we had to find each of these brads that, that could, could, you know, hold their own on a court. And uh, Rob was such an asset in that and understanding the sensitivities of tennis, uh, you know, rather than just being able to, you know, write a story, he was able to, to live that and understand that and really authenticate a lot of what we did. Now, how was it for you when you're taking on, you mentioned already the part of, of becoming interested in the story from the book. Uh, what would be your day-to-day role, Rick, on this particular movie? What was it that, <laughs> uh, that you did day in and day out? Well, people ask all the time, what do producers do anyway? And you know, I see you sitting in a chair drinking coffee. You know, what do you do? You know, <laughs> <laughs> but, I don't uh, expect that, man. Yeah. <laughs> hey. Uh, and basically from, from day one, you know, we try to build the team, uh, whether it's, uh, the actors that are going to tell the story, the director that's going to direct them in telling the story, uh, the camera guys, lighting guys, uh, you know, the producer is just kind of the, you know, I equate it to like a CEO of a company. You're, you're ultimately, uh, in fact, people ask me, what do you really do? And I say, well, I'm kind of the senior point of blame. If anything goes wrong, that's right. I'm the guy. That's right. <laughs> it's my Buck fault. stops here. And, it's ultimately my fault, but, uh, yeah. And so, you know, from, from there through the production, through the, the, the post-production, the finishing, and then you put on your marketing hat and you hire guys that are much smarter than you that know how to market a movie. And, uh, and then you kind of get, and I mentioned, you know, collaborative back in one of the la- earlier segments we, we were talking about it, uh, a collaborative effort all the way around to find people that, uh, do things well at at, uh, at a high level, and uh, and then empower them to do that. And uh, that's what a producer does. And uh, wow. you know, it's a it's it's a it's a fun job. It's a challenging job. And you know, we we solve a lot of problems, but uh, we find a lot of great people that know how to do that too. Mm. Compare making a movie in 2023 to the very first one that you ever did. 
Oh, man. Well, technology has come so far. Um, when we were doing Bobby Jones um, in 03, we were shooting on 35 millimeter film, uh, mm. and uh, you know, which is is a whole different you know landscape. And uh, when you're shooting film, usually you have to process that film before you even know what you have. If it was so, any good, uh, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah so yeah, you know, right. and that's where the the you, you probably hear. Well, I'm going to go look at dailies, and a lot of time after you shoot a movie. You know, you then go into a studio somewhere and look at dailies from the day before or, or a couple of days before, and uh, and then decide if you had to go back and reshoot anything again. Uh, and uh, so, and it was a very painstaking process. Oh, I bet. Um, and uh, and it was a whole different vibe. You know, pulling all that stuff together. Uh, I think today, you know, technology is 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 phenomenal. It's come a long way, and it's allowed a lot of people to have access to tell story. Even if it's on your cell phone, you know, you, you can tell a great story that's that you, you if it's a if it's a great story that engages people, you know, you can do it with any media. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, the it's it's in many ways uh, the same craft. We use the, the same people. We we haven't eliminated any departments yet, except maybe the the, the neg department from making a film neg. <laughs> uh, it, it still takes the, the people using the elements we have around us uh, to do what we do. But uh, there are some things that we can do so much better and so much more efficiently mm -hmm. uh, because of digital technology, no doubt about it. Well, yeah, that uh, little aspect that you mentioned about not having to process the film, that gives you the ability to look right back immediately and see yeah. what you did. And I know that that has to be more efficient in case you do have to have some sort it of a is. weird lighting yeah. problem that develops and you wouldn't have caught it before. Oh my goodness. What a difference. And that was since yeah. 2003. So only That's 20 right. years. Right. Well, there's many times where an actor will, you know, once she does a line, uh, he may say, you know what, I think I can do that better. Uh, or, or can I see what the framing was on that? And we literally can stop down long enough to look at the framing and, uh, and 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 it's 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 literally a, a playback, you mm -hmm. know, and uh, so it, it does help you a whole lot to be able to to be sure, be confident you you've got what you need, or to see how you can make it better by by looking uh, looking at another angle, looking at another uh, way to deliver the line or, or whatever it happens to be. So uh, uh, yeah, it, it definitely has has has. It's been our friend in a lot of ways. I'm Absolutely. geeking out right now because I love the behind-the-scenes <laughs> stories of all this. Yeah. And, and, you know, when I see a movie, I can't help it, Rick. I look at it and I think about what it was it like to shoot that movie or to shoot that scene <laughs> and to be there and what was going on, what the camera is not showing, what's happening behind the yeah. scenes. That's what I'm thinking about all the time. Oh, absolutely. Well, there's there's always still magic. You talk about movie magic. There's always still magic that happens. And, you know, I remember like going back to uh, Mulligan, the movie we talked about earlier. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a scene where the the Asian family that are playing in this charity golf tournament, uh, you know, are, are on a hole. And, and the, uh, the, the female actor has to make about a 20 foot putt. Uh, and, uh, and she's, she's not really a golfer, but she's a great actor. And she's kind of got the, got the swing down for, uh, you know, it's a, it's a putt, you know, on a green, but, uh, it's not an easy putt. And she's probably practiced about a hundred times and, you know, the pros over there helping her. I don't think she's made it once. And, uh, and then finally it's like, okay, you know, we're time to go. Everything's set up and, uh, we roll camera very first take. 
dead in the middle of the hole, you know, <laughs> oh, and it's goodness. like, who could be better than that? You know, but uh, that's the movie magic that you, you still get, you know, you got to defend on that. You, you know, make that happen. It's little things like that too, right? For her, she's not going to forget that for the rest of her life. Oh no. And you know, and after we've missed it a hundred times while we're sitting around getting everything set up, you know, the, it was even more authentic because everybody was cheering like, wow, you really got it. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> oh, that is tremendous. When this movie that comes out now, we're going to get to see it in the realm of what, two hours or so. Yeah. Uh, how long did it take you from the start of production to uh, last night? How, how long has it been that you've been a part of this? About two and a half years. Wow. Yeah. So it's a, it's a long process. What I've learned as, as you go along is, you know, I, I love to have stages of production where we're kind of marketing through the delivery of a film at the same time that we're maybe writing and doing the prep to set up to shoot a film. Uh, and then we're also looking at new stuff. Okay, what's behind that? So it's, uh, there's a little bit of a process to, to keep things moving. And uh, so that's why we're, we're writing and developing the Western now while we're releasing uh, the, uh, you know, never give up. So, uh, it's, it's a fun process, but it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's never ending, but, but it, it's, it's at least two to three years every time we begin a project to, to through to completion and what we're going to see in the big theaters, uh, starting tomorrow. Now I've had a chance to talk to a lot of the people over at angel studios, uh, like David yeah. Helling. Have you met David by the way? I have. Yes. He Great is guy. such a nice guy. And, you know, the, the process, all of you guys who are doing these movies, it seems there's a story behind how you got into doing what you're doing. Oh, yeah. Everybody has a story like that. And it's always an amazing God story. And I know yours, you mentioned you were in music. I, my, my mind, man, you were big time in music. You were doing things out at the, the parks and, and right. working on that, uh, that incredible keyboard that you learned how to play. And yeah. the Sinclair, I believe it is. And That's right. Hey, great memory. Yeah. And, and so you're, you're doing all these things. When you look back, what will be the thing you think now as you, as you come to that one day way down the road, when you're going to be passing on advice to a young filmmaker, what will you tell him? You know, the thing that I, I do tell people every day is, uh, you know, do what you love, uh, you know, follow your dreams and, uh, and then do it over and over and over and over again. Uh, you know, Malcolm Gladwell in his, in, in his book mentions the 10,000 times, you know, that you, you it's, it's practice, it's, it's repetitiveness. And uh, hey, you know, on a tennis court, you're, you don't just pick up a racket and start hitting a ball. I mean, uh, it's that over and over and over again. And if you talk to a champion uh, using the analogies of sports or, or you talk to a musician, like I think Gladwell uses the Beatles as an example, mm -hmm. uh, who would go over to uh, uh, to this you know club in Dublin, Ireland, and just play while everybody's you know razzing it up and doing whatever they do. And this was the Beatles, the early days of the Beatles, and they were playing the same songs that we remember now from you know their 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 fame. But uh, nobody cared back then. That's but they right. just did it over and over and over again. Uh, so I I think it's. Um, you know, another thing that a pastor said to me young in my career was, you know, to, to, to be faithful where you are, bloom where you're planted, use what God's given you and the opportunities he opened up for you. And, uh, and that'll grow. I mean, as, as we're faithful with that, and I think that's the whole mustard seed thing. If we're faithful with little, 
he'll give us much. He'll he'll increase that. And so uh, I think that's what that's all about. So I know it has been for me. So that's, that's what I tell people, you know, same as Malcolm Gladwell. It's that 1,000 times. Do wow. it over and over again. That's yeah. great advice. I'm going to take that advice right now, okay? <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm not going to be a movie maker, but boy, oh boy, I appreciate your story a whole lot. And uh, it, it, in my mind, Rick, it just couldn't happen to a nicer guy. Thank you for well, thank you. the life you've lived and uh, you know the way that you're right, the way that you keep applying yourself. God just keeps opening these doors for mm -hmm. these incredible movies. And I'm praying that uh, Never Give Up will be right up there with the, the very best of all of them. And it opens tonight, and you can uh, get all the, the, the movies called Never Give Up. It's on the life of Brad Minns, and uh, it's going to be showing in theaters all across the country. And we That's pray right. that it's going to be a really great weekend for your movie, and we're excited for you, my friend. Thank you. Thank you very much. And, and I, I'm... Uh excited for the film. I think it's something that, that will encourage everybody. And uh, so uh, you can go to uh, nevergiveupfilm.com and click on your, your zip code uh, and it'll, or your area code, and, and it'll tell you where the theaters are closest to you. And uh, so you can catch it that way as that well. That sounds great. You are. Yeah. yeah, we're all across from Gainesville to Ocala, the villages, and in Orlando. So it'll be showing yeah all throughout the area. And Rick Eldridge, I just thank you for being with me today and say hello to Brad for me. I'll do that. I'll do that. He's, he's out enjoying a little tennis right now. So uh, I'll <laughs> let him, let him know. That's thank great. Thank you so much. All right. We'll talk at you later, my friend. Thank you. Take care. All right. Bye-bye now. Rick Eldridge, the producer of Never Give Up. That movie is coming out tonight. We'll be back in a moment. This is Afternoons with Mike on The Shepherd. EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat serves all your comfort needs. With over 40 years experience, EC Waters is a top train comfort specialist, earning customers for life with integrity. No wonder EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat has earned a 4.6 or higher out of 5 rating and reviews across all major online platforms. For all your comfort needs, call 407-603-9144 or visit ecwaters.com. Here with me now for this segment is Rob Motti. He's been with me a, a couple of times recently. So excited to have Rob back on. But he also has his own show called Faith on the Field every Saturday and on Sunday in Orlando. Rob is the writer for the Associated Press on all things NFL. And man, there's a lot going on in the NFL right now. Rob, welcome back. Hey, Mike. It's uh, great to be with you again. And yeah, the NFL is about to kick off in full force. We're less than a week away from the first game of the season. So uh, it, it's going to be quite a quite a marathon. 544 games, I believe, if my math is correct, uh, until the playoffs. And, and each one of them is going to be watched by millions of viewers. Now, you know, there was something that came out a couple of years back and there was a big controversy in, in the NFL about the kneeling and the flag and the you know, the anthem and all of that. Has that kind of cooled down, blown over? What's your thought on that? You know, that's a, that's a great question because at the time there was, and it was a huge controversy for sure in the NFL, and there were some people who were very angry about that and uh, it caused some viewers to turn away from the sport. But as, as we look at it now, heading into the 2023 season, NFL is thriving, Mike. It is the king of all sports in America. There are all kinds of 
in incredible talented players out there on the field and, and people just set aside their their Sundays, their Mondays, their Thursdays. Sports betting has become such a big part of football, not just fantasy football, which has been around for years, but now it's the, the sports books and the way that people can have instant access to games and instant access to sports betting apps that it, it's really driven up the market for people watching. Wow. I did not realize that. And in fact, a lot of my friends are into the fantasy, but not the betting side of it. So there's a lot of, uh, I know there's a lot of uh, non-betting fantasy programs that are out there too, that are just for fun. But, you know, it's really kind of concerning when you hear that, uh, because I know Pete Rose, just ask him how uh, his life changed as a result of sports betting on his own sport. And uh, it has uh, probably permanently barred him from going in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, unfortunately, because uh, I'm still a Major League Baseball Hall of Fame voter, and I feel that Pete Rose belongs in the Hall of Fame. He had more hits than anyone in the history of the game. You can't honor, uh, you can't have a museum honoring players without having the best in there. I also continued to vote for Barry Bonds, who had the most home runs, and Roger Clemens and other guys along those lines, but it's, it, it, it's ironic how the NFL for so long shunned and stayed away from all kinds of betting and it, and now has fully embraced it. There's of course a franchise, the Raiders moved to Las Vegas, the Super Bowl this year will be in Las Vegas and the league is partnered with some of these sports gambling sites and, there are in acts there are stadiums mike that actually have sports betting uh, casinos within those stadiums get so out of here compl- yeah it's done a, a total 360 wow my goodness now with that kind of stuff i mean that could definitely be accused by people like pete rose and uh, others it could be accused of being major hypocrisy right Absolutely. And, and and we've seen what we've seen recently, too, with I believe the number now is up to 11 players who have been suspended for sports gambling violations. So while the NFL is making millions, probably billions from some of the, the sports betting providers and uh, they still won't allow and rightfully so a player should not be allowed to ever bet on the sport he plays but the rules are somewhat vague and and they allow players to bet on other sports now so if you're in the NFL you can bet football you can bet college football but not NFL you can bet basketball baseball whatever you want to do however you can't do it from a team facility uh or anywhere mm-hmm. affiliated with the the team that you play for. So if you're placing a bet from home on your phone, you're fine. If you're doing it from the locker room, that's a violation. So there have been players this year who have been suspended for doing that, and, and they didn't understand the rules. And, and, and I feel that the best way the NFL can navigate through this is just to tell players, hey, we know that we've embraced sports gambling, we know that we look like hypocrites by accepting millions of dollars, but you cannot bet on anything. Yeah. There's then, then it would be a clear line. Forget about making rules where staffers can't bet at all, players can on other sports, but they can't do it from the facility. 
Just tell them, hey, while you're employed as a professional football player in an NFL, you can't bet on any sport whatsoever until your career is over. And I think that would solve that problem. Uh, and we don't, we, we haven't seen a real prominent player other than Calvin Ridley, who was suspended while he was with the Atlanta Falcons last year for an entire season. He's now in Jacksonville, but it can, it, I would imagine at some point, if they continue to blur the lines, there's going to be a prominent player who, who gets caught up in this. Mm-hmm. Well, another thing that people have gotten caught up in in these major league sports like the NFL would be PEDs, performance enhancing drugs. And I know that has also been something in the last decade that has gotten a lot of scrutiny. A lot of players in all sports uh, got caught juicing and and now they're either out or uh, there's an asterisk by some of the records and all of that. How are you seeing that play out right now? Yeah, and there's so many various ways that players can enhance their performance without taking anything that's an illegal substance. But there are also some questionable tactics in, in that too as well because there are some substances that you and I can walk into – a health and nutrition store. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I, I've been a, a person who's, uh, I'm big on fitness. I've used a lot of stuff and that's over the counter that I can buy over the years that some play that some sports, major league baseball, for example, has, has banned. And um, some players have, have taken those and, and gotten caught and been suspended and that's tarnished their image. So it, it's a, it's a, it's a difficult slippery slope when you start looking at that. I've always felt when a player decides to do anything to their body, that's their, that's their right to work out however they feel. If they're willing to deal with the long-term effects or ramifications of something that they're ingesting or taking, that's on them. Now, right. um, some guys have done that. Some guys haven't. Some guys feel that it's not fair that you can you can be the average citizen and take a product but you can't play in in baseball or or in the NFL and take that product so it it's hard i i know when it, when i look at the ballot and i vote for the hall of fame as i had mentioned earlier i just look at the numbers strictly and i say i don't know who took what at one point in their career and what's to say some of these illegal juicing type supplements they may they may enhance one player in a certain way, but I know there are players in years past who used other types of drugs. Uh, Lawrence Taylor is known as one of the – he may be the greatest defensive player in the history of the NFL, and he had issues with cocaine. Now, I, I don't know what the effects of cocaine are if you take it, but some will tell you it, it's just transformed him into someone different, and, and may, maybe he performed better that way. So uh, maybe coffee – or Gatorade <laughs> is a performance-enhancing supplement for someone that gets them. So, uh, Well, it 70s, is for me, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> in the 70s and six, in 60s and 70s, some baseball players would use something called greenies, amphetamines, which helped with their hand-eye coordination. And, and I think hand-eye coordination is a, a, a former college ball player myself would help you hit a baseball a whole lot better than having yeah. – big time muscles. So right. it's a, 
it's a big it, it's a big conversation, and it, it, it's one that um, many people have varying opinions on, Mike. Well, it came to my mind last week. I mentioned to you that I was going to be in Dallas, and we did not end up getting to go to the game, but we watched it. And the quarterback was not Dak Prescott. He was not uh, playing that night. Instead, a young man that had gotten released for using PEDs while he was at UF. A Gator, Will Greer, was playing at the quarterback position, and it was announced earlier uh, that evening that they were going to be kind of – it's already known that he's going to be playing for another team. They're going to ship him out, so he's not going to stay (laughs) on the the roster. Uh, Where do you think he's going to land? Well, uh, Will became expendable when the Cowboys traded for Trey Lance from the San Francisco 49ers, who the 49ers drafted in the first round, traded a ton of assets to move up and get him at the number three pick, I believe, and, and trade it and pan out. Couldn't, he couldn't stay healthy. Couldn't beat out Jimmy Garoppolo for a starting job. Then Brock Purdy, who was Mr. Irrelevant, picked last in the draft last year, uh, took over and, and, and led the 49ers, and, and they traded Trey to the Cowboys, and, and he's going to back up Dak. So, Will became uh, expendable. He was released. He was cut from the Cowboys on Tuesday at the trade deadline, uh, at the at the roster cut dead, roster cut down deadline. Mm-hmm. But the Cowboys, I believe, were looking to bring him back on their practice squad. So uh, there there's still a possibility that which even even if he's on Dallas's practice squad, another team can pick Will up if they uh, if they add him to their active roster. He looked so sharp, I thought, in that game. I'm sure you saw it as well, but he was uh, seemingly very efficient. Yeah, and it, it's it's preseason games, Mike, and when you're looking at guys who are backups and third string playing against the other team's backups and third string and fourth string and uh, guys who are fighting for jobs, it's it's hard. It's really difficult to evaluate. And, and a lot of times what teams are doing now is in the, in the days leading up to their preseason games, they're hove, they're, they're having against that opponent, two days of, of practices against each other. So they'll practice against each other to, to have their starters go head to head in practice as opposed to the preseason game so they can really get their work in, get their reps in, make sure that they're ready to go for the regular season. And then in the preseason, they they keep their starters on the sideline like Dak and everyone else. Like Aaron Rodgers got in last week for the Jets for a couple series Mm -hmm. he played, but that was it. That was his first appearance in a preseason game in about five years. But it's becoming more and more of a trend that teams are using the, the practices against each other leading into the joint practices as a way to get ready for the season. And they evaluate their backups and the guys fighting for a roster spot. And I call them the, the, the bubble guys, the guys who are 45 to 53 on a roster. They're fighting it out in the preseason. Wow. Rob Motti is always a source of great knowledge and interesting news from the NFL. I know you, again, write for the AP and uh, he has this program that will air Saturday, tomorrow, and that's going to be here in Orlando. That will air at 7.30 in the morning and again at 10.30 in the morning. And in Gainesville and Ocala, the Villages, it will air at 9.30 tomorrow. So be sure and catch Rob and his program. You'll get to hear a lot of news about what uh, is going on 
in this preseason as we are almost there to the start of the big NFL season. Rob, as always, it's great to talk with you. Look forward to catching back up with you soon. Mike, it's an absolute pleasure. Wish you a, a great weekend. You too, my friend. And friends, we'll see you next time right here on Afternoons with Mike. <laughs>